gets better. Say that it gets better. O-P-S, I'm O-P-S, I'm gay-ish. Hello everyone in the podcast universe, this is Gayish. The podcast that just like, you know, likes to say like, and it's like, I just like it, okay? So like, just let me just like what I like, like, you know? I have no idea what you're referencing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Someone, a listener, like, wrote in and was like, you say like a whole lot. And then is so sweet and in parentheses was like, this is just a joke meant to be funny. (laughs) Ha ha. Where, like, you know, our listeners are so sweet. And you're right. I fucking hate how much I say like and I don't like listening to myself. I like like that joke. Thank you. Like what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. And we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And today we are going to talk about like the la gays la gay la la gay (laughs) the spanish gays la gays spanish gays um no the los angeles los angeles gays they're a specific kind of gay that i don't totally feel like i would fit in with and so we're going to bring in an la gay expert justin michael williams justin michael williams la gay expert is that just because he lives in la and is gay like, does that make you an expert? Are you a Seattle gay expert? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but I've, like, slept with half the people here, so that's why I'm an expert. <laughs> no. Yeah. And I've that, inserted so much knowledge into me. And that's why I've fucked nobody, because I refuse to fuck somebody you fucked. <laughs> you, man, you're really <laughs> narrowing down your opportunities. Uh, thank you for leaving me all of the uggos. I appreciate Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I was like, you know, I don't want to fuck you, but I know one person who might. Anyway, before we talk to him. But first. First. We have a correction. Oh, yeah. You have a correction. Don't drag me into this. Like you do it. Like you do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Mike. Okay. By far the most intense listener reaction to a mistake that has been made on our show was to the pumpkin spice episode in which I said that mace the pepper spray and mace the spice were the same mace. You've all made your point. <laughs> Shut up. I actually don't think it was that intense. I think you were just a little defensive about it. You're defensive You're about it. not defensive. You're the one that's defensive. Shut your face before I mace you. Ooh, with which one? That's going to be a mystery. Ooh, I bet they're the same thing. I bet they're the same thing, too. Um, no, like... I think it was the most intense like response mm. because within hours of that episode posting, I had like three messages. Oh yeah, yeah. The first thing I saw on Facebook before we <laughs> even posted the episode there, I think it said something like, "A chef checking in here, yeah, <laughs> and here's the ways you're wrong." And of course, everybody's really nice about it. That's the thing. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I want some genuine hate mail. I want somebody to say, "You fucked this up. It's important. I don't shut up and go away forever," and then for them to drop everything. <laughs> If you need to send that in, send it to Mike only. Yeah. Send it to Mike at Mike.hate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but Mace and Mace are different. Uh, do you have other things? No, I I got nothing. Okay, great. Just I have some news. Chilling. Okay. Okay, so um, the first thing that I wanted to talk about is it was coming out, National Coming Out Day last week. Mm-hmm. There was a television reporter named Luis Sandoval. Is he's still alive? I just made it sound like he did. <laughs> he, he, he died. He um, came out and it went horribly <laughs> wrong. Uh, Luis Sandoval, um, who is a uh, Univision, did I say that right? Yeah, Univision. Univision um, television reporter on live television came out Ooh. on National Coming Out Day. 
did it seem like it was planned or was it it surprise i'm gay back to you glenda <laughs> now, now the weather <laughs> no it was um i apparently as as part of national coming out day there was a segment about the nine-year-old kid that committed suicide oh, fuck, yeah because all of those other nine-year-olds bullying them yeah Wait, why are you laughing at that just the it's so ridiculous oh it's so, like how absurd it is that nine-year-olds know to bully yes. someone because they're probably their shitty parents yes okay Anyway, he was talking about how much that affected him mm. and then ended up just coming out. He said, um, I'm, I'm happy being gay. It was reported by El Diario as saying, "This is a, obviously this is translated from Spanish, quote, I am a full person, a respected person. I do not live in the closet. My family knows it. And then while fighting back tears, he added that I have a partner that I am happy with. And if I cry, it is because this moment is very emotional for me. Mm. Um, he... And said so that he felt the need to come out after being saddened by the story of Jamel Miles, who was the nine-year-old that, that committed suicide in August. Uh, so he said, uh, discussing how the public response to Miles's mother had affected him, he said, quote, imagine a mother's pain losing your nine-year-old son, and then I started to see people criticizing the lady. This Jesus. is your fault. You expose your son to these things. You deserve it. And um, Why are, like... If anyone's family or friend dies, leave them the fuck alone. I don't care who it is. Like, I don't care if... Unless they literally killed that person. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Except for the murderer. Yeah. There's one person. Yeah. But, like, even if Donald fucking Trump dies, God rest his soul, um, uh, like, leave Melania alone. No one say anything to anyone. I don't care if you hate the person. Leave their family alone. Don't be fuckers, fuckers. Yeah. Your bullshit is bullshit. <laughs> um, he, he said, I felt that I needed to come to talk with more people who feel trapped, who do not know what is happening to them. And uh, the next day he posted on Insta. That's what the kids call Instagram. Instagram. I know you sound so cool. I do the other and I call it a gram. Like I, I just do the opposite. He said, he said, thank you. Thanks to each and every one of you who have been supporting me. The last 24 hours of my life have been spectacular. Oh, and I think that's like an interesting thing about coming out is everyone thinks it's one big moment that you come out and then you're out. But like, there are so many levels to it. Like he said, I have a partner. I'm out to my family. Like you would, you'd think that that's out, but there's a whole new world of people that you come can come out to live and there are new people being born every day that don't know he's gay. So like you, like you, like just like, that's going to, I will not, it's going to be hard. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for fucking up the podcast. You <laughs> person who wrote in about Kyle's like, <laughs> no, it's, I, I want to, st anyway, um, you will never be a hundred percent out. That's not a thing. It's a process. It's and, a continuous thing. Yeah. And you'll always meet new people and come out to them. And so, that can be both a scary thing and also an exciting thing of it's not that you need to do this one thing and you haven't done it. It's it's you need to practice it and learn how to do it, like riding a bike or sitting on a dick. Like you just need yep. to learn. You just need to learn it for yourself. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And it gets easier over time. It gets, all of those things get easier <laughs> over time except riding a bike because that's fucking hard when you haven't done it in a while. Although, I mean, the phrase... It's like riding a bike. Is, is so It should be used for things that are really difficult to pick back up again. Because I almost died when I went riding a bike with my dad. I like was so slow. I veered off into cars, several parked cars, several times. <laughs> I, don't know what, I thought that was made it better because I like didn't get hit by them, but like they didn't. They weren't moving. It, it, that had the effect of making it sound less dangerous, and you 
worse, worse at life. Yeah. Oh, that's that's what I was going for. That's fair. Uh, so next, okay. There's only a tenuous connection to LGBT stuff in this story, but I just love it so much Let's that I, I have I have to I have to say it. So in New York City, next week in Brooklyn, dozens of witches are going to gather. <laughs> to cast a spell to hex Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Coming soon on American Horror Story Coven Season (laughs) 2. Dakota Bracciale uh, said the witches, she's uh, organizing it. She's a Brooklyn-based witch who (laughs) is organizing the October 20th event, said that the witches see the hex as a radical act of resistance that continues witchcraft's long history as a refuge and weapon for the oppressed, downtrodden, and marginalized. Quote, witchcraft has been used throughout history as a tool and ally for people on the fringes of society who will not ever really get justice through the powers that be. So they have to exact their own justice. Um, witch justice, witch justice. <laughs> coming soon to NBC. Sorry, I keep thinking of shows that. Okay. Uh, so last last year, apparently, um, they had three organized hexes against President Trump. Mm-hmm. So they're they're clearly really effective. <laughs> yeah, it worked. Um, but uh, no, I, I I do think it's really interesting that they would like they have the courage of their convictions you know what i yeah. mean like like for them i i don't i don't want to mock or demean their religion at all yeah it's a legitimate religious expression towards a fucker yeah and <laughs> and it's almost like a nonviolent protest well i mean i'm sure in their minds it's a yeah Bre- Bracciali said a hex is fundamentally different from a binding spell a binding spell is about trying to block someone from doing something and limits others agency but a hex is a more direct attack that treats its target as an equal in a supernatural fist fight. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it's a violent form of nonviolent protest. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, the ritual is scheduled to take place at Catland, which is an <laughs> occult bookstore and spiritual community space in Brooklyn. It will involve photos and effigies of Kavanaugh, along with graveyard dirt and coffin nails. Um, Obtained from... I don't know. <laughs> About a thousand people said that they have plans to attend the sold-out event, which only has room for 60. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, I know you said you don't want to mock or demean them, but Catland, come on, witches. Like, be less stereotypical. Don't don't wear a pointy black hat. Like, don't carry a broom. Like, you're not... Don't don't give in to the stereotypes. Yep, yep. So um, half of the proceeds from the event will be donated to Planned Parenthood. And the other half will be donated to the Ali Forney Center, which is a New York City shelter for homeless LGBTQ youth. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's a that's a clear and direct connection to like both marginalized people and LGBT people. I vote it approved. News story. Great. It's it's not cut. It made it past the desk. Yep. It's uh, Jewish. Oh no, they are cut. It's a not. He's non-Jewish news story. It's and- not. Cut. <laughs> that was a really far way to go to a terrible joke. And last but not least. Okay. Morgan McMichaels, who is a queen on RuPaul's Drag Race, posted a picture on Instagram. And, okay, quick, I don't think you will know the answer either. I know what you're going to ask. Gender pronouns? What do I say? I always, I go back and forth between he and she, like, if they're presenting when they're presenting male, he, when they're in drag, she. Okay. In which case, let's go with that. And if we're we're wrong, we'll correct it later. Somebody write in and let us know. Yeah. But this in this in this photo, 
this person is not in drag, so therefore I will say he. Uh, he has a cast on his hand, and the explanation is this. So yeah, my hand is broken. I was approached by a man at the store who informed me that he was a Nazi, <laughs> and he wanted to cut my faggot throat. After he took a swing, I obliged him and finished the fight. This faggot will not be victimized. So... Uh, broke his hand in a fight with a Nazi. <laughs> the Nazi swung at him and like missed or something, or it didn't take him down, and and then he punched back. I guess, yeah. That's the that's the most badass way to break your arm. Yep, yep, yep. Oh my god, getting into a fight. I've never been in a fight. Have you? Um, I've only hit one person that wasn't one of my brothers oh. in anger. Like in the word, he was face? in high school. Um, I think in the shoulder. Okay. Ugh, I get and it was only because he bit me. It's <laughs> a weird. It was in band. It was like my sophomore year. Yeah, I still Are have a. I still, the mark? I still have a scar from where he bit <laughs> Jesus. me. Jesus. He, he he bit me and I punched him. That's pretty fair. That's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't. I'm a pacifist. You don't. You you gonna get punched if you get bit. Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking of a tagline for you. Okay, that's the coolest. <laughs> you, who walks? Hello, I am a Nazi. Like, who the yeah. fuck? I'm buying watermelons, dude. Like, well, and it sounds like the setup for a really awesome joke. So, oh, a yeah. Nazi and a drag queen go to the store. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, only one sachet is away. And this is, uh, of course, not the first time that some RPDR drag queens have been publicly assaulted or accosted, and it just goes to show that. Fuckers are everywhere. <laughs> but those fuckers might get a fist to the face. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You need to realize, Nazis, that those drag queens underneath of that oh, are like... Badass they're, bitches. They're, yeah. And they're probably a dude. They probably work out. They probably are a bitch. Mm -hmm. you, are, you are barking up the wrong drag queen. <laughs> yeah. They are nimble. Nimble <laughs> AF. <laughs> They got to like, you know, they can do all that shit, like walk around in those things and what's it, death drop like a mofo. So like, yeah, don't do not pick a fight with a drag queen. And having worn heels out for a night, mm -hmm. if they can wear heels all the time, they are impervious to pain. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, <laughs> pain doesn't register with them anymore. <laughs> Just like all women. Um, that's amazing. Anyway, that's it. That's all for the news. Um. So we're going to talk about our L.A. gays. Let's talk about La gays. La gays. Um, <clears throat> what is your L.A. gay experience? Have you been? Been to WeHo a couple of times, which is short for West Hollywood. Um, and that's that's where at least all of the white gays are. <laughs> As we learn, we're going to talk more about it later in the show. But uh, uh, yeah, like it's really intense. Like it, there were some of the bars in WeHo remind me of what the... Uh, queerest folk bars promised me oh babylon like dark and just glistening shirtlessness everywhere yeah people are very very pretty in la and mm -hmm. the gays are too mm. in a sort of mainstream media packaged sort of beauty mm. yeah that oh. you would hate yeah i, I would love <laughs> it and hate it and like have the, all these mixed feelings how about you have you been to la i have been to la i've only been for work and one of the times i went for work i was with a sales guy that I worked with and his boss. So the boss of the sales team. Okay. Not gay then. Neither of them were gay. <laughs> One of them was pretty. They took me, we went to a strip club. Oh, that's appropriate for work. Lady strip club <laughs> where 
The boss of the sales people got in an argument with one of the strippers about how much he owed her for the lap dance. Okay. Very uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. I sided with the stripper verbally, <laughs> which that was uncomfortable. Also, when I first sat down in the strip club, the stripper sat down and was like, you're gay, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, how'd you know? She was just like, I can tell. And then we just had a great talk. And in my mind, I was like, do I owe you money for this? And I don't think so. And I didn't. But yeah. anyway, it was a very weird experience. PSA, strippers, cash up front. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh half up front the rest later no 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 just cash up front yeah you can't undo the lap dance (laughs) you need to be paid first i don't know if that's anyway so i've only had like straight experiences in la so i've not done the gay thing and yeah i feel uh, what i like about seattle is i get to wear whatever shitty like hoodie flip-flops jeans whatever i want to wear and i don't think that shit would fly no. In LA. It would not. So we don't dress up for anything in no, Seattle. Like you can go to the opera. The opera and you will see schlubby jeans and t shirts. That was me. I went to the opera <laughs> once. I think I went to like the Nutcracker and I was just like wearing I think I put on a collared shirt at least to because I was I hate collared shirts. Fuck. Okay. But yeah, I don't I don't think I would do great in LA. Actually the Nutcracker sounds like something that would happen at a gay bar. <laughs> <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs> like a BDSM. It's something a... that would happen. Uh, Morgan McMichaels might do that to a Nazi. Yeah, yeah, so I think to learn more about LA gays, not only have we done a little bit of research, but we're going to have Jordan Michael Williams on to talk about his experiences. Say his name again. Jordan Michael Williams. Justin Michael (laughs) Michael Williams. (laughs) Damn it. Thanks. Um, anyway, Justin, I don't know who Jordan Michael Williams is, but he's not going to be we on this show. Face brother. <laughs> okay. um, Justin Michael Williams, however, um, he is basically everything. Like, name oh, a yeah. thing and he does all of it. Um, he had an album uh, called Metamorphosis that premiered at number 18 on the iTunes pop chart. He is an entertainer, motivator, dancer. He just recently signed a book deal. Um, so he does like a million and he plans a, a chef, psychotherapist, yes. pet detective. <laughs> he's a lawyer. He is Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> like he's just all over the board. <laughs> he played Tilda Swanson playing an old man in a TV show. Swinton. Swanton? Swinton? Tilda Swinton. I'm going to get at least one name right. That's my <laughs> commitment to you this episode. <laughs> one of them. Um, yeah. So do you want to uh, take a little break and then have Jay Money on the sh- Justin on the show? <laughs> we'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll have Justin Michael Williams on the show with us. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. 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 I'm sorry I'm hungover. It's okay. <laughs> it's, you're sorry you're, you're being yourself? This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So are we back? We're back. <laughs> We're back. We are back. We're here with Justin Michael Williams. Hey, Justin. Hey, hey, guys. Um, thank you for being on. We gave a little bit of a bio about you um, and also that you're going to be our LA gay expert. But can you <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super excited to be here, you guys. Thank you. It's so cool because I, I listen to this podcast all the time, you know, particularly in the gym. So it's going to be cool to be in the gym listening listening to, to yourself myself back <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i i'm just you know what i do in the world is, is through different means i just try to inspire people to step into the life they've always dreamed of living and 
you know, sometimes I do that through teaching meditation, which is really frequently. Sometimes I do it through marketing and helping people do that. And sometimes through motivational speaking, sometimes through music. So it's just really doing the things that I love, which is kind of like creating media and engaging online to motivate and inspire people to do dope shit. <laughs> Are you like the male Oprah? You know what? Is that <laughs> a, a one time a blog said that and I almost fell out because that's what I've always <laughs> dreamed of. Somebody telling me. So. Yeah. <laughs> sure. um, oh, and you also um, have a book deal. Are we allowed to talk about that? Yeah, Can we say we that? that? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's what's your book about? So my book, the working title right now, which might change. So it may change. is called Meditation for the Rest of Us, How to Get Woke and Stay Woke. And so it's, you know, it's a book. It's actually, this is what was crazy. When we were doing the book deal, we found out that there's no book at all that exists by like a major publisher that's written about like meditation and mindfulness written by a gay person or a black person or a millennial. And so wow. I have like all three of those boxes <laughs> checked, which yeah. is pretty crazy. And um, you got the trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they were all pretty excited about it. So it's really a book about meditation, but it's not like meditation to like be Zen and be relaxed and like be one of these people sitting on a mountaintop, but meditation <laughs> to like overcome the obstacles that we have in our minds or overcome our fears and our limiting beliefs to help us accomplish, you know, the dreams and goals that we all have for ourselves. And it's really written for gay people, for black people, for marginalized voices, for creatives and and for people who are not the typical kind of yogi you know person yeah 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 and and when uh when is that gonna hit the shelves a long time from now i'm still writing it so it's um it comes out in 2020 which might be now depending on when you're listening to this, oh right? yeah it might yeah. be out right now you future yeah. <laughs> people that are listening to this yeah, um, it no, comes that's... out in, in 2020 election year on purpose because you know really trying to help um activate um, some of the some of our community in, in some powerful ways that year. Well. And we will need election yep. year. We will need Absolutely. all the marginalized people <laughs> will need Zen and mindfulness and overcoming our obstacles because I I know no matter what happens, it is going to be a challenge. I have a whole section on meditations to like avoid political overwhelm to uh. you know all that kind of stuff because it's something that a lot of us have been trying to figure out and practice since you know the last election yeah and so you know we're probably going to need a lot more of it in 2020. <laughs> yeah well and af after the last election I was just in an alcoholic stupor for uh, like a few months <laughs> so like this is probably a healthier way to deal with that. Yeah yeah, yeah. um what uh I don't I was gonna ask something but then I lost it this is riveting, Kyle. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> this is the part I cut. That was a good stutter, <laughs> the Kyle. The part where I sound stupid. Um, so getting into your L.A. credentials, your L.A. gay credentials, I know that you did all the, what is it, marketing for the white party? Yeah, yeah, for and, the white party in Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. In Palm Springs. What, what else are your, tell us your L.A. gay credentials. Are you born and raised? No, so I wasn't born and raised in L.A., but I've lived here for 12 years. Uh -huh. um, so when I came to LA the first time, I was 16 and to visit colleges and I came here and as soon as I got here, I was like, oh, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be living. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Any insights into what it was that clicked for you? Like what, what spoke to you about LA? You know what? I got here and I think it, I, so I love going home to the Bay Area for San Francisco, but to be honest and, and my Bay people will hate me for this, but like, <laughs> I, I would never live there again. Um, it's too cold too slow, 
to all those things, but I, you know, I'm an artist and I'm in the entertainment world and the pace of LA is amazing to me. The weather, I mean, it's, I think, yes, it rained the day before yesterday in LA, which was actually a miracle because the trees needed it. But it was, I think the first rain in seven months in LA, Wow. you know, so it's, it's always sunny. It's always beautiful and uh the people are gorgeous <laughs> you know, it's just it's a fun place to be that to me is one of the most intimidating things about it is like not only is everyone in la gorgeous but then like gays i always think no matter where you are gays have a like even higher standard of beauty so it's like so many beautiful people that i worry like I, my i lean kind of like a negative or like maybe it's more of a fearful view of la gays because i would worry that i wouldn't fit in yeah i I think that is absolutely relevant. And I think all of us who've lived, who live in LA and, and even people here, we deal with that all the time. And it was definitely one of the things, like as I'm breaking into my LA gay thing, I wanted mm -hmm. to dive into a little bit more. Okay. Well then yeah. do you yeah. want to jump into your, uh, your segment? Sure. Okay. Well, I'll also I'll yeah. just point out, I'm yeah. very distracted because you we are lucky enough to we're seeing each other on video and you're what are these things called traps traps you have very nice traps thank you i'm getting very distracted if i <laughs> if i start drooling it's it's i love don't it don't worry love about it, it. don't worry it. about it it's you fine drool away drool away <laughs> okay you know i don't go to the gym for no reason okay i, <laughs> so, yeah, I will I just want somebody drooling <laughs> I will try to keep myself together. Okay, so, oh, so talk to us. Tell us what you wanted to, what your segment is. Yeah, so I, I, I really want to break this down into three parts, you know, talking about the L.A. gay. And um, I, I think one of the things, the reason why when we were talking about this was so interesting to me is because I, f I feel like San Francisco, right, kind of used to be where we saw kind of like the hub Mm -hmm. of LA gay mm -hmm. culture. You know, I think it was yeah. New York at one point, then San Francisco at one point, and it really feels like LA and the way gay culture is portrayed in the media and the way people think about gay culture, quote unquote, is very much derived from LA gay culture. Mm -hmm. But there's some different facets to that that I think people might be surprised about when we dive in a little bit deeper. So I want to break into three sections. Um, the first section, just so we can start nicely, is, is the, good, <laughs> the good side. Okay. And then the second would be the bad side. And then the third is the black side. Okay. So <laughs> let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Well, let's hear the good things to help maybe change my mind. Yeah. So I, I remember this. This is like this moment right here is when I knew I was like, oh, can I, can I cuss as much as I want? Oh, fuck yeah. Hell okay. yes. Great. Uh, great, 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 great. So I remember when I moved here, I was 18 years old. I was still in the closet. Um, hadn't come out to my family. Hadn't come out. I, like a couple friends and the guys that I was secretly sleeping with in the locker room in high school, obviously knew. But like, um, we can you know, talk about that more if you want to. <laughs> yeah, we can. <laughs> and so... And so most of them are married with wives and kids now, so we can just... Can you, know. you believe... Like, I feel like everyone has one of those stories where it's like, I wasn't out. Well, I was fucking a dude, so I guess he knew I was gay. Like, you can be literally having, <laughs> like, blowing someone, and you're like, does he know I'm gay? Like, <laughs> right. It's so odd. It's the weirdest thing. And and so I moved to LA, That's and I was 18, and I was going to UCLA. I was at orientation. It was day one. And I was nervous because I was thinking okay, how am I going to introduce myself? It's all these new people. Like, I don't know anyone. And we sit down at orientation and I'm by all these girls and a, a couple guys and one, one guy who's actually become a really good friend of mine named Steven. And one of the girls turns to me, she's like, so do you have a boyfriend? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> no. 
And and so she was like, well, do you want one? Or like, are you looking for one? I was like, I don't know. I'm just looking for dating. And then I was just gay. Like I never huh. came out at, in LA. And it was really interesting because I didn't, I was thinking I was going to have to like, I had dreamed of, I'm going to move to LA and then I'm going to have to have this conversation with people and like tell them I'm gay. Yeah. And I guess by the way I move and talk, I mean, you, you could spot me from a mile <laughs> away, but she, you know, she just was like, oh, obviously you're gay and it's fine. Like no one cared, mm. you know, and it was super accepting. And that is one of the beautiful things about Los Angeles, I think, is, you know, there's a rainbow freaking sidewalk painted in mm -hmm. the street on one of the main streets in LA and Santa Monica and West Hollywood. And you can go anywhere and not have to think twice ever mm -hmm. at all in any venue, any location, no matter what demographic of people are there, you're not going, even if you're walking like in Skid Row where there's like homeless people, you know, you're not going to get chastised for being gay if you're like holding hands with somebody or, mm -hmm. so or doing anything. I'm, yeah. I am shocked to hear that having been from San Francisco, right? The, mm -hmm. the, the, there's the, the the image of San Francisco as being this this gay mecca, super accepting, super integrated. But you felt that in LA, even though you grew up there. So it makes me wonder, like, were you not gay enough to register as queer in San Francisco? Or <laughs> well, is it less accepting? Like, I, I don't know. I think San Francisco is very accepting. Um, I didn't grow up. I was I would go to San Francisco, but I grew up like 35 minutes outside of San Francisco. Sure which, you know, the town I grew up in is, uh, you know, lower middle class, you know, kind of a little bit more diverse, not the most safe neighborhood. So I, I don't think we grew up with the same norms that there would be in, in the actual metropolis of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember very specifically, like one time, like just put it in context with my mom, we were walking in San Francisco going shopping and we're walking down the street. This is when I was maybe like 12. And she sees these like queens walking down the street, like exactly what you would imagine, like in a San Francisco moment, mm -hmm. cut off jean shorts with little holes in them, like exactly <laughs> um, a, a tight little jersey tank top. And I'm like looking at them and my mom goes, oh my God, cross the street. We don't want to get HIV. <gasps> Literally. So like, yeah, exactly. That's horrible. Exactly. So like, and my mom, I have to say this, my mom is amazing. She's come so far. She like was out protesting for Prop 8 more than I Aww. was. So my family's come a long way, but like, that's what I grew up with, yeah. you know, yeah. the level of um, oppression around gay culture. So moving to LA and having it just be like, oh, do you have a boyfriend? Was like, what? Wow. You know, this is amazing. Yeah, Mike, do you feel that in Seattle, like you can literally go anywhere and you won't be judged? Yeah, in fact, I, I say to people a lot that, that, that Seattle really teaches you some weird lessons that don't apply in other parts of the country, hmm. right? That like there are all kinds of restaurants on Capitol Hill, the quote unquote gay part of town where they're not, it's not queer. It's not branded queer, but yeah. there's a whole bunch of queers there. Yeah. And I, I also think that, that uh, we're so mainstream in Seattle. I worry that we're going to actually lose our gayberhood eventually hmm. because we're in we live in west seattle now we live up north we're down in columbia city like we're we're mainstream enough that we're starting to sort of di dis diffuse is that a word D uh, into hmm. the the rest of the area hmm. see i don't feel i mean i think that's definitely going to happen but like i don't feel that most i'm like 95% comfortable in seattle like mm -hmm. but there are some times where i still like look around i went to like 
I forget where, some neighborhood that wasn't Capitol Hill. I don't really know the non-gay parts of Seattle. <laughs> but like I went to, uh, to do a reading and I was reading this thing about like, hey, I'm gay, love dicks and butts. And like I had this like big thing about how super gay I was. And I looked before I started, I like looked around. And I was like, oh, my God, there's this is old white people and they're all <laughs> drinking beer like this is not my target demo and i was a little worried and then of course i read my thing about being super gay and ever, like people laughed and liked it so it was, so it ended up being fine so maybe it's just me being self-conscious i don't know it's interesting you know and and i think that different places have a different norm so i was um when I was with my ex earlier this year, we went to um, Arlington, Texas to visit his family, Oof. right? And we were in Texas <laughs> and this is my first time in Texas outside of performing at South by Southwest, which oh, is nice. not really going to Texas, it's going to <laughs> South by Southwest, you yep, know? And yep. so um, we were in the mall and I don't, we were talking or something and I like put my arms around him and he was just like, no, no, no. And I was like, what? And, he, and we like do that all the time. And yeah. he's like, no, 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 I don't like, this is really not probably the place where where we should do that because you know we're alone and we're this and i i had to remember that this is how most people in the world not even in the world in the united states exist most mm -hmm. people in the world have countries that are far worse than yeah. that you know and so one of the things i love and you mentioned white party i have been doing um, all the digital marketing for the white party in palm springs for the last nine years and one of the things I love about it the most, other than, you know, it's just a freaking wild fun party with like the best production <laughs> ever, is people from all over the world. There was like 50 different countries had bought tickets to White Party last wow. year. Mm -hmm. Come to this place for a weekend. And they're in Southern California and they are accepted and can wear whatever the fuck they want, can live however they want, can be absolutely free, you know, in every way to really express themselves. And I think that's such a beautiful thing that we have in LA for sure. Um, and I think a lot of the events that are happening in Southern California and in other, you know, big cities that have that level of acceptance around the world have. But I, I think it's something that is, is very special for um, the level of acceptance that I've found in Los Angeles in particular. That's awesome. My ex-husband was from um, Amarillo, Texas, and every time we would go to visit, it was this exercise in how to not look like we were together in public. Yeah. Like, we would go to Walmart, and we wouldn't even touch each other. We were just, something about our posture, our body language, we would get stared at. Yeah. And we maybe dress slightly less conservatively and are were maybe too familiar with each other. I don't know. I don't even know what they were seeing, but we definitely got the like full on stare down from ladies with big hair. Yeah. 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 Terrible straight people love Walmart. So that was a little <laughs> bit your fault. That is their haven. You know, that's their space. That's not yours, Mike. But there's nowhere else to go when you're in Texas. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. You know, LA is an amazing, beautiful place. I've lived here for 12 years because I love it. But I think the more interesting thing to discuss here is what you're talking about a little bit earlier, um, which is kind of the bad side, or I, I guess the little bit more of the toxic side. Yeah. Um, give it to us uh, straight. A, a city a Los Angeles. Way. Yeah. So like as, as much give it to you straight. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I, I tell like in the closet frappers that too. Yeah. <laughs> give it to me straight. Give it to us gay. <laughs> give it to us gay. Okay. You can give it to okay. us gay. So as much as I love this city, um, 
I saw this this meme on social media the other day that described it perfectly. It was like LA is the only place where you'll see see people with a publicist who have nothing to promote or driving a BMW, <laughs> but driving Uber or Lyft to pay for the BMW. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there's this facade thing that happens in a city like Los Angeles. And it's just part of being in this city. Uh, it's Hollywood. There's an image that everyone in this city is upholding to a certain extent. And I think the gay community hits this harder than anyone else in any other city I've I've ever been to. And, you know, we see this image of the the quintessential LA gay, you know, is great with fashion, has a perfect body, but somehow like still drinks six nights a week <laughs> at a happy hour, yeah. you know, makes lots of money, works out every day, has a six pack. They're invited to all the pool parties and Instagramming pictures on Runyon Canyon, like half naked and, and somehow still like Instagramming themselves eating a pizza at night, <laughs> yeah. you know? They and, don't really eat that pizza. No, they take that <laughs> bite for Instagram and then throw it away. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think also with this image that gets portrayed, you, in the advertisements and even in the bars and the clubs that you go to, there's a very specific image of what, like, a good LA gay person looks like. That I, And I find that different in other cities. So, like, if you are out in LA... And you're in most bars and most clubs and and there's go-go dancers or there's advertisements for these parties it's always the like super slim fit white blonde gay or maybe like european looking but also has blue eyes mm -hmm. with like no hair on their body at all and like mm -hmm. a super tight six-pack and like lip injections and <laughs> you know like the whole the whole nine is is done and i think that image is super toxic like you go to other cities like when you go to san francisco the the go-go dancers you have like bears and cubs and latino and black and new york is the same way you have so many different types of people that are uh lifted up and elevated as um worthy yeah you know as attractive as attractive yeah. and in la i find that so many people it's like one image that really gets pushed a lot and I see a lot of people trying to fit themselves into that mold and that can create a lot of like toxic habits and patterns for all of us to try and fit into that mold yeah my idea of entertainment recently is that people especially millennials and gen z are, are responding more to more authentic uh, views of what it's like to be just a person in the world or you know whatever person you are do, do you think that then like influences LA, like have people become more authentic either in response to or s related to that? Or has it stayed? With is, the it, is, it getting, is it getting better? Is it getting is better? It yeah, I guess. <laughs> it gets better. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it is getting better slowly, but it's a really hard thing. I think when the next generation, whatever it's called, like I'm a millennial, but whatever the generation underneath us is, I think it'll be a lot better. Gen, Gen, what Z. Are they That's Gen, Gen Z. Z. So when like Gen Z is, mm -hmm. is, is in their mid twenties and thirties, I think it will be a whole different story and I think it's getting better, but it's, it's a big pattern to undo. Yeah. And I can even just say for myself, like, you know, I haven't, I don't know if I've told this story like in a public format like this ever before, but I've talked about it is um, when I first moved to LA, you know, the good side, like I said, was like the acceptance and, and allowed to be gay and, and open. But yeah. on the flip side, I got a really, really, really 
bad eating disorder when I moved to LA. Oh, sure. Um, like more started like body dysmorphia where I just like was looking at all these guys, right? And I was like, what? how come I don't look like, like how do I look like this? And mm -hmm. so I start doing all these workout routines and figuring out why I don't look like this. And, and then next thing you know, you know, me and one of my friends in college, we used to have a rubber band on our wrist and we learned this from some like anorexia blog or something that was online. And like you snap the rubber band on your wrist whenever you would get hungry. Hmm. And we would do like ice diets and like ice fast to like just so that we can feel like we were hot enough to like get invited to that pool party that was happening at Brian Singer's or, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. whatever was happening. You do know ice and is not a food, right? I know, I know that. Okay. <laughs> is yeah, an ice I, diet what it sounds? Is it like you only it, you eat, just ice? eat ice? Wow, wow. We did nine days, no food, just ice. That's crazy. It, wow. I was, I mean, I was nineteen years old, you know, and it lasted for a couple of years. I ended up like throwing up for a while, and um, like I, it wasn't until I had to go on stage and I was performing at this big event, and the day before I was throwing up after you know, eating something in the dorm room mm -hmm. and I popped a blood vessel in my eye. Wow. Oh God. Yeah. And that, and so I had to go on stage with these glasses on and that's when I said, okay, I need, I need to get help for this. Like, this is not okay. And it also it, like we have, uh, the world talks a lot about like um, females and women having healthy body image in the media and all this stuff. But this is not something that is discussed often among men. And it's a huge mm -hmm. thing in the gay community yeah. that, you know, men are, gay men are expected, quote unquote, to look a certain way. And um, when you don't, people, there's there's no forum for that. There's no conversation about that, or at least there wasn't, you know, when I was 19. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, it, well, first of all, like, that's something a lot of gay men have to go through that, yeah, like, they don't know that other people go through that too. And so that's really great of you to share that and show people that that does happen and you can get through it what would you say to anyone dealing with an eating disorder the big thing and this was actually like the biggest blessing of the whole thing is um i because of that one of my friends and actually like the therapist that i went and saw at that time started recommending that i go start doing yoga and meditation mm -hmm. and oh, wow. that was my introduction at 19 to yoga and meditation and now i'm a meditation teacher and mm -hmm. it doing yoga and doing meditation and not just like another thing that's reinforcing the body dysmorphia so i wasn't i'm not saying go do like hot power yoga where you're yeah. doing push-ups <laughs> yeah but like something that really helps you learn to love yourself and your body and accept where you are um the practice of yoga and meditation can be so healing and can help help us see how amazing and worthy we are you know as we are and it took me a while to get really through to the other side of that and i, I remember one other thing that i, I really want to make sure people know is I was training with this trainer and this was when I was going to like my third white party in Palm Springs. And I'm, you know, I'm working for white party. I'm backstage. I'm doing all this stuff. And I said, okay, we have eight months to white party. I'm hiring a trainer. I'm doing five days a week at seven in the morning. I want to look fucking like the hottest shit you've ever seen, <laughs> you know, when I get to white party and I'm, I have this, it, this like a couple people whose bodies I showed the trainer. And I was like, I want to get my body to the best version of that, that I could get. I, so first of all, I'm not a 7 a.m. kind of person, you know, <laughs> I was doing all the things, eating just basically chicken and rice and sweet potatoes and like working out every single day, 7 a.m. We get to that eight months and I still didn't look like that. And I said, what the fuck do I have to do? Like, mm -hmm. what is it? And he pulled me aside and he said, I'm going to tell you something and I'm never going to admit that I said this and which is why I won't say his name. And he mm -hmm. said, 
every single person that you've pointed at, they're all doing steroids, uh, all of them. Mm -hmm. And I said, what? And I didn't know that that, I, that was in my like context of my mind of, of what was happening. And he's like, everyone, every single person's doing steroids. All these guys you're pointing at, their bodies don't look, there's two ways you get like that. One, working out like four plus hours a day and being an athlete or training is your life and that's what you do. Or you're working out an hour a day like most people and you're doing steroids. And when he told mm -hmm. me that, it just like broke the the glass, you know, the haze that was over my eyes. And I was like, this is fucking stupid, yo. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not going to kill myself to look like this. It's not worth it. They're all going to be dead. I don't know. Like, I like my balls too much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually don't care that much about this anyway. But um, the that's you don't really, care about balls not really oh, i mean i'll give them some attention if i'm already in the area but i don't i'm not seeking them okay i'm, not, I'm with you kyle okay oh, great fine um that so it, i mean are the are the celebrity all the celebrities we see being super hot are they on steroids too i you know i've from what i've heard there's a lot of people like in in the movie um I forget which movie, but uh, 300 or something oh, like yeah, this. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like they had said that the guys were able to be put on like HGH, which is like human growth hormone to oh. to like gain muscle faster, but it was under doctor supervision. I heard this. I don't know if it's true, so I don't want to get like sued by them, but you know, I just, <laughs> yeah. was, but the, I know now living in LA and having these open conversations with a lot of my friends who are go-go dancers, who are these Instagram models that you see who are, who are on the covers of all these magazines and gay publications. I can tell you with 100% certainty that about 90% of them are doing steroids wow. and, um, and or a lot of drugs. So they're not eating a lot, you know, already. Yeah. And it's like, do we want to give up that much of our health to fulfill this image? And when you really ask yourself, like, what is it worth? Anyway, I think we have to remember that we are enough and we are worthy as we are because all those people's bodies are going to freaking change. Yeah. And then what? So I think for anybody who's looking at, at people and comparing themselves, the thing to remember is you do not know how much they've given up or what they're sacrificing to get that. Yeah. And in most cases, it's a lot more than you think. Well, and one answer to the question, what is it worth? For some people, millions and millions of dollars being on camera, right? But, it's worth it. But yeah. just like just like parents whose 12 year old is really good at basketball and think that they're going to be in the NBA someday, that's not the reality for most of society. Yeah. So don't feel like that's a reasonable expectation or feel bad about yourself for not being on track for that. Yeah. 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 I agree. Wow. I did want to ask um, real quick while we're in the bad section here. Um, <laughs> my gay friends from LA talk more about plastic surgery. By oh. far, than yeah. the gays that oh, are yeah. friends of mine here in Seattle, is, is that a thing? Uh, do you plastic surgery talk? Go. It's it's, it's <laughs> I will great tell question, you Mike. It's actually, really crazy. So I went to. <laughs> okay, so I have two really good friends who live in Hawaii. They're totally going to be listening to this, and they're going to die <laughs> that, that I told this story. So I have two really good friends that live in Hawaii, and they are quite a bit older than me. So I'm 30 and uh, one of them is turning 50 and the other one's 56. And they look amazing, like their skin. And so when I first met them, they were, um, I was in Hawaii, I met them and I, I just asked them flat out like, where do you guys get your Botox? Like I just <laughs> asked them in the most casual way and they looked at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, where? where? Like I'm looking at them like they're, they're stupid and they're like, we don't get Botox. And I was like, 
And they were like, that is such an LA thing for you to have. <laughs> and I said, are you, you're lying. You can tell me, come on. Obviously you have Botox, you know? And the plastic surgery thing here in LA, I have to tell you, it's just part of, it's another one of those parts of the culture. I don't think everybody has it, but Botox is, it's like, a part of conversation the way like coffee and Adderall are a part of conversation. <laughs> you know? Wow. They talk about Botox like it's something they could do themselves. Like, they, yeah. they, like a home, they like like talk a about home how Botox home party kid, yeah. and like, you know, someone just comes around and Botoxes everyone's face and... It happens. It happens. I have to I have to say I don't have any in my face. You guys are looking at me right now. My, my eyebrows move. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I will tell you this. I'm not, I, I'm absolutely not a opposed to getting it and I don't think it's a bad thing but I I think it's um I think we have to just be very careful I think it just the message to me that just comes back over and over that we have to remember in LA is like you don't have to change who you are to be accepted in this culture and um, a lot of times the city will tell you that you need to be a certain way to be accepted to be worthy and that's the toxic part of I think the city where some other cities have a much more vast and wide array of of types of people who are praised and deemed as worthy and acceptable where i think la the images because it's a media entertainment city are a lot more limited and we just have to be really careful of what we sacrifice to get there yeah this is sort of a tangent and i'm sorry about Mm -hmm. that but uh talking about the white party every time you say it because you're a person of color i think oh is that bad me too (laughs) yeah like is there some part of you that's like white party where the fuck is the black party and, and, or is that just ridiculous or is like, the white party thing? too white like <laughs> so what's really funny is uh they on social media i get this kind of stuff all the time so like i've managed all the marketing for nine years and i'll see people posting like this is all white i'm like little do you know there's a black person responding to you, <laughs> <I can tell you. laughs> and his team is not even jeffrey's not even white his team's not even white i mean it's just really interesting but there are there are a lot of white people there um and i think this is a perfect segue into the last little section of my segment which is you know the black side so we talk about the the good the bad and the black side and i just think that um there the one thing that i want to open people's eyes to is that the culture the type of la culture or the uh, quintessential la gay stereotype that we all hear of and see is very one-sided it's very much the white gay perspective Hmm. Um, and the reason why I think it's important to bring this up and I feel so lucky that I've, I live kind of in both worlds of that. I I'm actually, I'm biracial. I have, you know, I went to UCLA where it was like mostly white people. Like I'm at the white party and then I I have tons of black friends that I'm involved in, in this culture and community quite deeply. And the, you know, the LA gay where typically it's like, they're always at, you know, Sunday, Sunday, fun day. Um, that's kind of like the white perspective at the Abbey having drinks and mimosas and Sunday fun day, like black gays are usually at somebody's house playing spades. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. instead of watching RuPaul's Drag Race, I can tell you uh, this is, and I'm not making this state, these statements to say every black person's like this, obviously, but I'm mm-hmm. just saying in my experience, yeah. you know, most, most black people that I know have never seen an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race and could give two shits about it. Wait, and in- I, I might be black. I'm black. You're black. <laughs> I'm black. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. You. Honorary, you know, but instead of watching that, they're yeah. watching like Insecure on HBO. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I, I there's different events, there's different parties, there's a different sense of community that's happening outside of white gay culture, which is, I think, the kind of gay culture that's pushed out to the media, like the rainbow flags, even Pride Festival, circuit parties with, you know, the rave music and all the go-go dancers, that specific slice of culture is very um, white gay. And it's interesting because LA being such an accepting and open place, I can honestly tell you from my experience that LA gay culture is probably one of the most segregated gay cultures that I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes like un- unknowingly, um, oh, I can I hope unknowingly racist sometimes. I, I, I've had people tell me over and over and over and over things like this. Oh my God, it's like you're an Oreo. You're like black on the outside and white on the inside or like, you know, shit like that. And it's like, no, bitch, like that is racist. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? And when I first moved to, or living in LA, I'll tell you this. I moved to New York a few years ago to be bi-coastal. And before moving in New York, I lived in LA for 10 years. And I had never in 10 years of going to West Hollywood and going out to a bar, I had never in my life had a guy come up to me and ask to buy me a drink, ever. Wow. Ever. Hmm. And, you know, I'm a pretty attractive guy, I think. Confirmed. You know, but like, <laughs> we can we can see you. We can confirm. You know, and, and I would just always be like, this is so weird. Like, do I look bitchy? Like, am I, <laughs> is something wrong? I moved to New York. Day, like three, we go out to a bar and like two guys come up to me. And I'm, I recognize, oh, this is it actually. And I start to like dissect it and understand what's going on. There really is a different set of, um, uh, how do I describe it? Like the perception is different and the acceptability is different for gays of color and gays who are white or gays who are of color who mostly hang out with white people and pass as white. Hmm. You know, it's it's a totally different experience in LA. And I think that's a huge shadow side of the city as well, that cities like San Francisco, I find so much more integrated. Cities like New York, I find so much more integrated. Um, and I wish LA would open up more in that way. And I think it's happening slowly, but but it feels like a pretty segregated community of gays. Yeah. So um, I know there's like really big, important race issues that you just talked about. So I'm going to ask you, did you go home with the two guys in New York? <laughs> That's what I really want to know. <laughs> you want to know what's funny? I, I did go home with one of them that One night. of them. Okay, nice. That was awesome. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Actual question. Um, just for those that may not understand, what is calling someone an Oreo? Explain to us why that is a racist comment that you don't appreciate. Yeah, so because they're delicious, I, I think it would right, be. Oreos are absolutely fucking delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, thank you for the compliment. But the second <laughs> thing is the idea that I am acceptable or you like me because I am able to like code switch and mm-hmm. be a, a, be less urban for you. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and fit into the mold that you, that you see. And because I talk with really good English and good diction <laughs> and I'm educated, the fact that I'm like that and how that makes it like, oh, cool. He's fun to hang out with. You're so articulate. <laughs> yeah. You're so, oh my God, you're so articulate. Oh, surprise. I speak English. Like, <laughs> you know, did that shock you? It, it, it's, it's, it's racist, you know? And I think a lot of people have to catch themselves, um, especially I think in the gay community you know we joke around with each other so much about so many different different things and i think it's beautiful and there are tons of funny jokes about different topics but when it's not a joke and you're just going up and talking to somebody and saying that 
you accept them or you like them because they can pass, mm-hmm. you know, is not is racist. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it, to be yeah. honest with you. Did I explain it well? Yeah. yeah no, I, no, no, <laughs> okay. no. You definitely yeah. did. And it reminds me. Yeah. Obviously not the same as race, but it just reminds me of people that are like, oh, I didn't even know you were gay. Like as if that was a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, they're basically saying, well, you don't seem oh, black. You, you act <laughs> right? so straight. So you must be cool. Or yeah, like, oh, my God, you fit in with white people. So that's a that's a sign you're good. That's yeah. a great thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. You know, I think black people have and I don't want to just say black people. I think all people of color have gotten really good at, at, at code switching. And I don't know if you guys how if you're familiar with that word, but. I, you know, I, I've heard it before, but please explain it. Yeah. yeah. So code switching is something that we all actually like just learn how to do, but at never officially learn how to do. But it's switching from like being with a group of black people and saying like, oh, my God, nigga, this da, 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 and wearing a hat to like switching like, hey, girl, what's up? <laughs> like, oh, my God, I love you. You know, like, yeah, that's you switch to be acceptable and to pass and to make to make other people comfortable and not make them uncomfortable around around you um, because of how you're expressing your true identity. And I think people of color have gotten so good at doing that to fit into these molds, which, mm. you know, can be really toxic. But I, I honestly think that's starting to shift and change. That's great. It's, it's, like, it's like what I wear and how I sound when I'm around my fraternity brothers. Oh, yes. I, was, I didn't even Exactly. Mean that's to. code switching. Yeah. I was <laughs> thinking that with my family. Like, I definitely talk differently than I normally talk when I'm with my family. And I think it's a little less gay and more <laughs> just, oh yeah, everything's cool. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know. Is that at all? Like, that does that feel switching. like this? Okay. That's okay. Code switching. Um, so you, you said way earlier that, you know, there was New York and San Francisco as being the sort of gay cultural hubs and that now it's LA. And I, that's sort of my impression also, but I, wa- I wanted to first pick apart why we think that. Like, like when you say LA gay, I have this idea in my head, and it's the white, blonde, blue-eyed, jacked surfer guy who, who like, mask, like more mask. And... Yeah, yeah. But but why do I think that? Why do I associate that with LA? Like, where is that coming from culturally? Do and do you have any ideas? So, the media piece of LA of of gay culture, like the place where most of the media that people are seeing about gay people is coming from LA, right? Mm, And uh, most of it is filmed here in LA. Most of the people, most of the drag queens that people see live here in LA or come to LA to film. And most of the companies that we see like Andrew Christian and all the guys that they've put Mm. all over the world are here in LA. And it's, you know, it's one specific image that's going out there, you know? Part of me thinks that it's like when the people that are in charge who are generally straight, white, cis men, I feel like people can handle one thing that's different from them and still relate. So like take those things, but just change it to be like a gay person there. They can be like, okay, great diversity, like this one thing. But once you get two things that are different from them, whether that's trans or a person of color or whatever, you know, disability, I feel like that's like two things, two steps away from them. They can't relate to. So that that's part of what I think the people in charge are cool with the white gays, but no other step. You can't do one more thing removed from that. Yeah. What I, what I wanted to let you guys know, I guess. I don't. Here, here's the part where I just say things. Um, 
uh, it feels like the LA is the center of gay culture thing is a recent phenomenon. And I, I don't know what recent means, but maybe the last 20 years, give or take, but especially <laughs> the last 10. And I think that's digital media, like YouTube. I feel like most YouTubers that are famous that are gay are in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out that that's actually not true, that it's not a recent phenomenon. I found some really interesting stuff about early, early gay rights things that happened in LA. Really? Yeah. Like, like... uh, if you look up, there's a Wikipedia article that's like list of LGBT actions in the United States that happened before Stonewall, prior to the Stonewall riots. The earliest of those is in Los Angeles. So uh, in in May of 1959, there was this thing called the Cooper Donuts, um, which Mm. was a a, a hangout for uh, LGBT people, trans women, drag queens. Um, Was it actually a donut place? And... That's a good question. I don't know. I don't care that don't, much. You uh, don't have to look it up. It's right here. I, oh, okay. So it was a 24-hour cafe called Cooper Donuts. Hmm. Or Do-Nuts. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was Do-Nuts. I mean, but it has a hyphen in it. It's Cooper D-O hyphen nuts. So oh. like, does that make it... Anyway. <laughs> anyway, there was this cafe. It was on Main Street and Skid Row uh, of downtown LA. It was between two gay bars. So it turned out that lots of queer people hung out there. A lot of trans people hung out there. And um, so again, you have to remember this is 1959. So it's, it's years and years before Stonewall. And uh, there was this, this riot. There was a, a rule that said that if your gender presentation didn't match the gender that was on your ID, you were going to jail. Mm-hmm. They were wow. going to, they were going to take you in that night. Yeah. And so uh, officers tried to attempt, uh, they tried to arrest a couple of drag queens, two male prostitutes, and a gay man. And uh, one of those arrested was this uh, famous novelist, John Rishi, and um, he wrote a novel, City of Night, and talks about how the LAPD really, um, they, they they were really abusive that night, and, and that it turned into this targeting of the LGBT community, and on this particular evening, though, a bunch of people started throwing trash at the cops and um, <laughs> it ended up the cops like left. They're like, oh, <laughs> fuck this. I'm getting I'm getting coffee thrown at me. So they, they didn't take these people in. They released them and got in their car and, and ran off. But uh, a lot of people think that that was the actual start of the gay rights movement. Huh. I mean, that wow. sounds so similar to Stonewall because Stonewall had they had to line up and had gender checks to see if you were wearing women's clothing, but were like marked as a male on your ID and you're, you're like the female cop that went into the women's restroom to like make people show them her, like what was under their skirt, which, which is, really, Oh my God. It's, yeah. But like, and the idea of throwing things at the cops, it sounds like the difference is in Stonewall, the cops like doubled down. Whereas the LA cops were maybe smarter and were like, goodbye. Right. Yep. Right. I'm not here for this. I have some other things to do tonight. But there's this whole list of things like I, I can't, count these fast but there's a whole chart of things that happened before stonewall that were riots or protests or some sort of movement and for whatever reason stonewall and new york have become this image the symbol as the epicenter of the gay rights movement and it's just not true are a lot of the (laughs) i saw others i can see your screen there were other cities on there are they mostly la that they took place Mm, la half la new york new york san francisco dc philly dc philly san fran 
DC. Well, LA's LA's been in the game for a while then with this stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which not is not getting enough credit. I know, yeah, which is yeah. What when I, my negative perception of LA, then like probably is just my lack of knowledge about all of the important cultural riots or whatever that happened there. Well, and I I think just like people of color and just like uh, this history with with rioting and and gay rights, it's maybe because the LA idea is coming from media like it, it doesn't yeah. really represent the truth of that city and, and or the, the history people of that, that city or the history of it um, that's really interesting so speaking of gay cities great i'm going to talk about why palm springs is gay <laughs> is, is it all the gays it's just because just of how the white party. it's the gay because of the white party yes J- justin what's your take just when i say why is palm springs gay what's your immediate reaction i mean you said the white party uh but... because it's like gay retirement city mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's what i think of it's like when you're gay especially if you're white and you have money you're supposed to like go retire in Palm Springs for half of the year when you're dead. Yeah, so I'm, I'm super ignorant about the geography involved. Is is Palm Springs considered LA or not? Like... Typically, no. or not not specifically, but it's about an hour and a half drive with without traffic from LA. So it's a, it's like the quick destination city for most gays here. I had that in my notes too. I did my research. Okay, Mike. okay, God, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, it's LA people that are there and hanging Absolutely. out. Absolutely, we just need Absolutely. to your confirmation so it fits in with this LA <laughs> episode. Nope, Kyle, we're done. We're not no, going to do this segment. Cut, you're just, you're cut, done. I'm hot. <laughs> um, okay, so Palm Springs. Getting into why is it gay, there's an article that I found by Rory Carroll in The Guardian, and he talked about Palm Springs was at first, it's just this desert. So in the 1960s, it's where the Hollywood Rat Pack, which means like Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Marilyn Monroe, those are the people I recognize from the list, but that's where they went to vacation. And gay vacationers started going there because it was discreet. You know, it's like in the middle of the desert and some people just stayed there because it was so like in the article, it said what happens in Palm Springs stays in Palm Springs. I feel like that's so dumb and overplayed now, but maybe that was true then. Like they could go be themselves. And that's really interesting because the Rat Pack is pretty much responsible for Vegas also. Oh really? And they say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So maybe the Rat Pack just went around having things stay there. (laughs) Right. They were doing gay shit all over the place. <laughs> yeah. In the yeah. closet of the city. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then not only did they gay vacationers end up staying there, but then the uh, prices in San Francisco went up so much that people, there was another wave of people that came in to Palm Springs because another gay location that was at least. Wait, from San Francisco to Palm from Springs? From San Francisco. Yeah. That, that's a hell of a drive, right? It's like across yeah, the that's state. That's a really right? long drive. Like a nine-hour drive, probably. Like it, there's plenty of roadhead, and you know, it was great. <laughs> yeah. Everyone well, enjoyed and, it. And there's a thing called airplanes. Air- <laughs> Did they exist in the '60s? I don't remember. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> Good. Um, and I, it was just like a snowball effect where more and more. People, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> the roadhead was a snowball effect. No, um, uh, where you know, I think the more people that go there and are out and feel comfortable and safe there, the more people are drawn to the area and get to come out um and in fact robert moon who is the current mayor Mm -hmm. said he was in the closet for decades as a naval officer and he said he led a careful closeted life and in palm springs felt comfortable coming out well 
So that leads me to there was a recent election earlier this year, okay, January 2018, where they Palm Springs elected the first all LGBT city council in America. Wow. Does, <laughs> did you hear about that, Justin? I didn't know that. That's amazing. That's It's really interesting. And not only is it interesting because it happened, it's also interesting because they celebrated with nothing. They didn't make an announcement. They didn't throw a party. <laughs> they weren't like, we're the baddest bitches in the desert. desert. <laughs> I don't know. The uh, Robert Moon, he said he didn't even realize it until after the election is like, one of those things that was just a non-issue, which I think is everyone is like, why do y'all have all these prides and why do you care? And it's like, our goal is not to have to have pride. It's not, we don't want to have pride. We don't want to have to tell people you're okay the way you are. We want that just to be assumed. We just want to be there. So it, it, it makes me think of like, this is the place where is like the goal where you can just, oh, we just happened to elect all LGBT people. And that, I don't know, we didn't plan it. They just... Uh, I don't know. It just happened. It's pretty amazing. I think it's 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 like a gay utopia. I mean, the fact that they didn't yeah. even realize it. <laughs> yeah. Is, that says a lot about that city and, and how accepting it is and how much they're not even non-issue. It's not you yeah, a non-issue. Gosh, if it I would it would be amazing if it was like that, you know, someday that we weren't even talking about this. Yeah, exactly. Well, based on like polling data for the way that Gen Z thinks about things, we, it might be sooner than we think that that'll be true because yeah. they give zero shits about people's orientation. Yeah. 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 I think it's interesting the way that it's kind of worked for for us, you know, and for in most of our lifetimes is, you know, when you're a marginalized community, I, I think what happens is we have to separate ourselves to get the acceptance, right? So mm -hmm. we have to create these separate places so that we can create movements and we can come together so that we can make a change. But then once the change is made, then there's slowly this kind of reintegration. We see that with like women's rights, right? And suffrage, like women disconnecting so that they can say, look, look how you're treating us. And then now women wanting equality in certain places and for there not to feel like there's a difference between men and women yeah. right so it's yeah. kind of merging back together and um i think it, it's really interesting like you said about gen z i was just hanging out with some friends last night and their kids are i think like eight and eleven and they're going to some school up in topanga canyon i can't remember what the name of the school is and they said what they did in class was they said everybody who feels like they're a girl go over here if you feel like you're a boy, go over here. And if you feel like you're not sure and you're somewhere in the middle, go over here. That's and awesome. wow. they had them do that at eight years old. Like these conversations are happening. And one of my friends, she goes, I was surprised. My daughter came home. She said, I didn't even think about it. She said, she told me the story. And she said, mom, I kind of went in the middle. And like one of my friends was there too, because, you know, I like, I like playing baseball like the boys, but I also like getting my nails done like the girls. So I figured, I don't know. I, why can't I just be both? Hmm. That's what her eight-year-old daughter said to her. Oh my that's God. Beautiful. That... Awesome. These kids are going to be so rad. When yeah. they're... God, they're, that's amazing. I, I just want that for a life. Okay. Just to throw <laughs> a wrench in things and to make things feel a little shitty Do it. just for funsies. Um, so the people that were elected to the Palm Springs city council were three gay men, a transgender woman and a bisexual woman. The controversy during the election is that the drama, the drama we're gay. So obvi. <laughs> needed some drums to get through it um too accepting too pleasant we don't we're not down for that um so the controversy was the bi woman was married to a man is married to a man she's not dead is married to a man and everyone said you're just saying you're bi 
to get elected. Like you're just trying to fit in. So like <laughs> one that a city thought someone was saying they were by to get ahead. Yeah. Right. That's, that's my first thought. That's actually, yeah, that's actually incredible. Right. Like that's kind of cool. Um, but then also like, I just, it immediately made me think about everyone, like all the conservative people uh, saying that Ford came, Dr. Ford came forward just because of the time. Oh, like, oh, it's just because of this time and you're doing it for politics. And that's like, it didn't really happen, blah, blah, blah. But like, that is not an exclusively conservative thing that happens. Like even this liberal, gay, queer friendly place was accusing someone of just coming forward being bi because of when the time of the election is. And I'm not saying that sexual assault is the same thing as orientation. Obviously, there's very different. Well, and but just like the Dr. Ford thing, saying you're just saying that for politics. So fucking what? That doesn't make it not the true. Fuck, yeah. Who the fuck cares? Right. And that just reinforces like gay people. I am. I am one of you. Get your shit together. <laughs> bi erasure is real. And if bi people say they're bi, fucking believe them. Like we need to believe people who speak their truth. And that ranges from sexual assault and rape to your orientation. And you can be married to a man and be bi. And I, my guess is there is just a negative view or a, you know, just a shading that people have around bi people that they can't believe that if you are in a quote unquote straight relationship that you can also be bi. So. Yeah. I and mean, the reality is, I think it's much more of a spectrum than a lot of us are allowed to have because like when I was in, so I'm definitely not a gold star gay at all. <laughs> um, like when I was in, in high school and junior high, I had girlfriends and I was like having sex. I lost my virginity to a girl and <laughs> was also like hooking up with boys secretly at school, you know, and doing that thing. <laughs> yeah. But then once I came out, it was almost like, well, now I'm gay, so I'm not allowed to be with women anymore. Mm. Because like, what woman would want to be with a guy who is like out with guys or who's more feminine than her, or likes to get their nails done every once in a while? Like, yeah. what woman would accept that? And it was interesting because the moment I was out was the moment that I, you know, had never done anything with with a woman again. And I think huh. that it creates this polarized effect. When in fact, there's probably some spectrum like leeway happening here that we're not allowing ourselves to have. I'm not saying everybody is on a spectrum. I'm just saying that there's probably more of that than we even as gay people allow ourselves to explore. Hmm. Yeah, there's orientation and there's identity, right? And your orientation mm -hmm. is probably biological and is likely somewhere on the spectrum. But we're so pressured into having an identity or, an, or a label. And then as soon as you apply that, then it screws up your perception of where you are on that spectrum yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. if you if you were living right. your like ideal life like everything's perfect and beautiful and exactly how you want it would do you think you would have relationships or sex with women okay so i did like not that long ago oh really really crazy so what happened it was really interesting like i'm dancing with this girl at this event and she's like on me and i'm thinking what the fuck is this chick doing doesn't she <laughs> tell that I'm gay like what is she doing she starts like kissing on my neck and I'm like I'm like kind of going with it like okay this is fun ha 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 Ma like making out this girl I was you know whatever and then she's like do you want to come back to do you want to come back to my room and I was mm -hmm. like you know I'm gay right this girl first of all she was a champ for this one <laughs> she sticks her hand down my pants and goes are you thinking about a guy now or no <laughs> Wow. And oh. I, I was I looked at her and I was like, uh, no, let's go. 
And so like, nice. I go and I was a nervous wreck. Right. And so I like, just go with it. And I like, I, I hook up with her. We end up totally having sex. It was my first time in like years. I was like, this was a few years ago. I was like 27 or 28. And I did this and I woke up the next morning and I thought, I was so confused, you guys. I was like, oh my God, what? And like the fact that I, I actually, what have I done? What have I done? And the fact that I enjoyed it and was like mm. able to do it, like confused me. And that's when I started understanding more about what you're talking about, like identity versus, you know, the biological aspect of it being a spectrum. I think I identify as a gay man and I'm definitely gay and I see myself being with a man, you know, in the long term of my future. But since then, there's been several experiences that I've actually had with women and they've been awesome, but I don't think they make me less gay. But I remember it took even me a while to accept yeah. that I was allowing myself to enjoy those experiences. Mm. And, um, you know, some some women can do great, great work. <laughs> <laughs> women are out there doing the work they need. <laughs> there's, some, there's something about like, I have to say this is like so sexual, but there's something about like, uh, that I was shocked and forgot about, I guess, when I like was the few, it hasn't, this hasn't happened a lot. So I have to just say this. It's not like yeah. I'm having sex with women like every, this is very few and far in between, but like no lube, no douching, no uh. cleanup, just like slip right in. It's like, <laughs> it's so amazing. It's uh. like it's so much less work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I, vaginas are pretty great. They're magical. Yeah. Um, I remember even after I came out in college, it was this girl's birthday. We all went out. We went back to someone's place and kept drinking and everyone had fallen asleep. She was trying to hook up with this guy, but it didn't work out. And we like made out. She knew I was gay and she's beautiful. She, it was, I, I loved making out with her. She has a great rack. She's like, a like very humble, but also like was a budding like superstar in the like student government body and like people that have that confidence and that drive especially like she's younger was like very attractive to me and i was like very into it hmm. so like i and to this day i i don't know if i would like all the way you know like boop you know like <laughs> have, you never, have you never gone all the way i've never stuck it in i've have licked i've licked it i was married to a woman for, for oh for okay, years and years so. so so you've stuck it in you've a lot oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well then i later went to like blow the straight dude that <laughs> but anyway but yeah no my point is i agree like there's a spectrum and i think gay people we like un uphold that ourselves like i remember yeah. when i told some of my friends i was like okay you guys are not gonna fucking believe what happened or like <laughs> you know the, the last i think I've, it's only happened like three times in the last several years but like the other time when it happened i told my friends like oh i hooked up with this girl last night he's like Ew, bitch! Like yeah. what? Yeah. You know, like, I, I was just gonna ask if you felt if you felt like they treated you differently or thought differently of you after that. I think a little bit, um, and I think that I can understand because I was confused about myself, you yeah. know, at first. But that goes back to what we were just talking about. What's going to change in the next couple generations is it's because we're programmed to have these labels, and we've worked. Most of us have worked so hard to accept ourselves and be accepted by others as gay, right. that now when we deviate from that in the opposite direction in any way, it's, it's like, oh, uh -oh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I've even heard, um, this is not something I thought of until like a couple of years ago, the, the idea of gold star gay is very anti-women. Like the idea that you are rewarded the less 
involved with a vagina you've been yeah. is really anti-woman. And that's something I'm trying to change about myself is not being the person that says, ew, vagina, gross. It's just generally not what I'm interested in. But I can't, I would, I mean, if in the right scenario, probably with like a super hot, like quote unquote straight frat dude that like wanted, I would do something with a dude and a girl and the idea that you have to update us after it happens, Kyle. You know, <laughs> we'll have an episode about Kyle fucks a lady, and yeah. <laughs> it'll be a very short episode. <laughs> but <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. So, what? Do you think we should take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Oh, let's take a break. Yeah, break. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Cassie. And I'm Christina. Have you ever had a guy you're dating try and pick up your brother? Have you ever been on a date where a guy showed up wearing the exact same outfit as you? Have you ever been on a date where the guy sniffs you as a greeting? If so, this just might be the podcast for you. Tune in to My Worst Date. Because let's face it, misery loves company. So are we back? We're back. We're back. We're back. Um, we're we're going to yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to do our gays and straightest. We're going to do our gays and straightest. But, but first. But first, Justin, if people want to know when people want to know more about you, where can they find you? I yeah, want to know more I, about you. Um, <laughs> I think the the thing that I want to mention most to people more than just like knowing about me is um, one of the things that I talked about very briefly was that meditation was really the thing that I've, I've been doing for the last 10 years of my life that took me on the express elevator towards my dreams and goals. It, it really helped me learn to love myself and accept myself and heal a lot of the toxic habits and patterns that have held me back, you know, in so many ways. And mm-hmm. um, now I teach meditation and have been for a while. So I have a free meditation guide that is online that people can take from anywhere in the world that they can download um, at any time. They just have to go to meditationkingdom.com, meditationkingdom.com. And um, it's just you put in your name and email address and you get the free guide. There's no spam that comes with it. I tell Mm -hmm. people like I I respect their email addresses, but I just like to offer that to people. And um, if you want to just see more about me or my music or I'm very active on social media and Instagram, um, you can just search Justin Michael Williams or my Instagram is at we just will. We just will. Awesome. Fantastic. And yeah. what's the, I was, I thought it was really interesting. You had a, you have a website. Is it motivation for black people.com? Motivation for black people. Yeah. Um, which that just really cool. Just, you know, you talking about how the, the, the way people talk about like things are so directed towards the white. When you talk about yoga and meditation, my first thought is immediately a 45 year old white woman with a pumpkin spice latte yeah. doing yeah. those things. And yeah. that's who that's geared towards. But yeah. uh, it, it's clearly not. It's for everybody. And you're you're, you're doing a great job, I think, of, of making it accessible. Yeah. Thank you. That's the goal. I mean, I think a part of the reason why a lot of us get shut out or disinterested in some of these topics is because they are presented as from a white perspective or from a a very specific demographic of white perspective, like a heteronormative, like white, often female perspective. And the thing is, is that's just the way they were packaged and framed. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the topics and teachings are so awesome, especially when they can be applied and people can understand how to use them. You know, how do you meditate after that circuit party to get yourself back together? You know, like that's the kind of shit I'm talking about in my book. So awesome. check it out. Oh, I want to yeah. go to a circuit party someday. I don't know that I do. Right. Okay. 
Well, our website is gayishpodcast.com. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at, and YouTube at Gayish Podcast, or our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash gayish podcast. Our voicemail, you can... A voicemail. Our hotline, you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails. It's 5855-GAYISH. That's 585 585- Five four two nine four seven four. Standard rate supply. I mean, you will only get our voicemail. We will not answer that. Yeah. Although, have you like, you, we have the option of turning it off so that, like, it would ring through to my mm. phone. I think. No, I'm. I can't. I'm I, too depressed to answer the phone. <laughs> um, and our email is gayishpodcast at gmail Let's do our gays and straightest. Gays and straightest. Uh, do you want to go first, Kyle? Sure. Okay. So my straightest thing, and I might be stealing yours, Mike, is Mike taught me and a group of friends, mostly, uh, no, it was, it was mixed company, gay and straight people. Um, we uh, learned how to play craps. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was like the only person that wasn't you that had actually played craps before and like playing craps, like even beyond poker feels very straight to me. Like <laughs> um, the gayest thing about me though is like it's just innuendo city and craps like the fact that they have an entire section called come <laughs> yeah <laughs> like what yeah. i couldn't not make a joke about coming like yeah yeah, yeah. i you're I, like you want to bet the hard eight yeah you do <laughs> <laughs> we yes we talked about hard eights we talked about coming we talked about if you pass or not like i don't i I I just see innuendos everywhere, and I couldn't not make that into innuendos. What about you, Mike? Um, so the gayest thing about me this week is uh, that for whatever reason, the roommate and I have been watching hours and hours and hours of Oscar acceptance speeches, oh. and so like I, several times now this week, I've like Halle Berry has made me cry, <laughs> like when she won her Oscar for for best actress, and. That sort of like obsessed with Hollywood moments seems mm-hmm. really gay to me. I love watching like Oscar or Golden Globe or Emmy intros, like the monologues at first. And Tina Fey and Amy Poehler yeah. are the number one. Nah, Neil Patrick Harris opening for the for Tonys. The Tonys yeah. Okay, that's number one. But then this is the gayest moment. Never mind. Okay, <laughs> keep, going. keep going. The straightest thing about me this week was last night I came home hammered because of this birthday party that I went to that went way too late. And uh, I was hungry and I didn't want to order food. So I just like went to the fridge and combined things. So I, there was this, <laughs> this pita bread with a little bit of mayo on it and some ham with cheese on it. And then I microwaved it until the cheese got all melty. But it Ooh. was it was just like disgusting frat guy doesn't know how to cook, just has disgusting shit in their fridge. It sounds like cooking. a like Greek born faggot <laughs> that moved to America <laughs> and is making <laughs> making a dessert or i don't know <laughs> that's weird it, it was it was just weird it yeah. was weird for yeah. for whatever reason i think of like taking two or three ingredients whether they belong together or not and mashing them together is the way that straight guys cook <laughs> oh my god uh justin what about you gayest and straightest so gayest i <laughs> so since i was like 12 I have been like obsessed with Christina Aguilera. Okay. <laughs> and it continues. Um, I'm actually <laughs> going to her concert next week, which I'm super excited about because she hasn't been on tour for 10 years. Oh, nice. And, um, but I'm talking to the point where like 
when I was younger, when like Windows 3.1 or like Windows 95, <laughs> you know, I used to be on like the live chat rooms of like Christina Aguilera fan clubs, so much so that they, um, they flew me out to LA on MTV to do one of her, like, you know, they do the album premiere things where they do the shows. And I like interviewed her wow. on stage because I was like such a big Christina fan. So I still on Instagram, I'm no joke, like, I type in the hashtag Xtina at least once a day to just like, <laughs> what's going on And I, I can't, it's been a part of my life for more of my life than I've been alive. And so <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous, but um, that's probably one of my gayest things. But, sure. but it, it's ridiculous, but it's beautiful. No matter, no matter what, what they, they say. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. My straightest thing, I was going to say that it was that I fucked a, a woman in the last year, which is, but I'll, I gave that to you guys already. So I think the other thing <laughs> is that um, I, two nights ago, I went to uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson's like birthday party celebration in LA and they had a silent auction. And I bid a lot of money and actually mm -hmm. won a signed Colin Kaepernick football jersey yeah. oh okay. nice okay. um which was really funny because i was laughing with my friends because i do not watch or follow <laughs> sports at all and so they were like are you bidding on a jersey like <laughs> and, I'm, and so i was laughing because now what i was looking on amazon today for was uh ways to frame and hang football jerseys in your house and yeah. so I'm now, a, you know, as straight as can be because I'm gonna have a football jersey hanging in my house. Totes. Oh my God, you... I hope they didn't wash it because that boy oh hot. My God. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Used... dripping with sweat. Uh, yeah. Justin, can you name the position or team that Colin Kaepernick plays for? Okay, so I after I got the jersey, I found out that he played for the 49ers, which I did not know. I don't know. The, um, I don't know the answers to my questions, so yeah. that I'm just... Position, I have not couldn't tell you if I tried, but I just was excited about having that jersey just because of the what he marks in history and yeah. you know what he what he's been doing for uh for culture and and really pushing boundaries in that way. So I thought it would be a really cool uh jersey to have, especially with his signature on it. So. Yeah. Isn't he a quarterback? I have no I, that's what I was gonna say, but I don't want to be wrong. I think he was a quarterback. This is a place where this we are embrace this is our gaze for <laughs> next week. We embrace okay. being wrong on this podcast. <laughs> I I was gonna say some kind of running or catching thing, but maybe that's just because I th those are all the the only people I think about on football. Because if they had a position called sexy back, he would be that. <laughs> he's. <laughs> do you think he's bringing sexy back? <laughs> he's quarterback, but fully hot. There we go. Uh, wow, you would. I usually at least know the quarterback of it. That's not even true. I don't know why I'm lying. <laughs> Who's Mike? Do you know the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks? Uh, uh Russell Wilson. No. It's not Russell Wilson. It's not? <laughs> I don't even know who that is. That's how I don't I've heard of his name. I don't you don't have to. Oh, know. my my neighbor works for the Seahawks organization. <laughs> oh, She's going to hear this and be so upset. Sorry, Kelly. Me. We Um thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you uh, very very much, Justin. We appreciate it. We couldn't have yeah. talked about LA Gays without you, so we appreciate it. Thank you. It was an honor. I'm really excited to be here. Special thank you as always to Charlie Finn for the use of our theme music. And thank you to all the LA Gays who aren't the mainstream. And thank you to my LA gay fraternity brothers who have convinced me that Botox is in my future. <laughs> Just do it. Um, yeah, so I think. All right, that's it. This has been Gayish. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. Bye. See you next week. See you next week. And hear me as I will sing. Hey.
spring. Oh, P.S. I'm gay. I bug the shit out of me <laughs> saying like, but I can't. It's so difficult. I, I, you know, some things you work on, some things you just accept, right? I, I, that's part of I just need to be like, this is me. and You need to be like? And like, take it or like, <laughs> leave it, you know? 